Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. <laughs> Welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Grady. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Uh, so hi. This is our first time fucking around with remote recording. Um, so if you hear weird sounds in the background, such as my dog. Please be nice. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely trying something new, but we just want to get out the best quality stuff possible. So yeah, just bear with us. We're just having growing pains. One of my favorite things about uh, this episode is the way Dean is extremely excited to meet the actress Tara. And I thought it could be fun to talk about our own personal celebrity crushes. Oh, yes. As per usual, I think I'll go first. So um, you all know I've had a longstanding obsession with Jillian Anderson. Um, She is just primo. She just makes every role feel so powerful and like absolutely her. And I think that's what I've always been attracted to with her. Um, Also, I love that she just hates the milk for some reason. I mean, that has something to do with it, to be fair. Um, but recently, um, Jasper did turn me on to literally Rahul Cooley, who I have recently been obsessed with, the actor from Midnight Mass. Oh my um, God, they're so fucking funny. They're their so Twitter, funny. Their Twitter, like, I, uh, how are you that funny, sir? Yeah, they're, they're very funny. Very easy to look at, just kind of all around. No. <laughs> what else do I say? I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing bad to say for sure. What about Smart, you, Ellie? Funny, trans, perfect. Hello. Exactly. Yeah, I was obsessed with Rao Cooley back in iZombie days uh, just because they're such a lovely human being. Oh, yeah. Um, Mine are so all over the place, but I'm going to go with, because I've been talking a lot about men, I want to go with um, how I knew I was bisexual, which is beautiful, perfect, never will get better than Blake Lively and Kira Knightley. (laughs) Just that blonde, badass duo who are in everything from the early 2000s and shaped my childhood and my sexuality. (laughs) Thank you, Kira and Blake. (laughs) Look what you did for the world. (laughs) Made me gay. (laughs) The ultimate gift. I know you could be like, I don't know, what do straight people do? Like making fun of their friends for having an Android right now. I don't know. (laughs) 
what be filming those prank videos on tiktok oh my god like, yeah watch me get my boyfriend ha ha yeah you could have a prank on channel cringe so and not in you. a good even, way no no and even more depression yes yeah the life of the straits very sad very depressing i really want a documentary called the life of the straits shut oh. up wait that's so funny. <laughs> Wait, we should make that. We could do it mockumentary style. Who is the like best Harris's... voice voiceover? I don't know any straight people. Where do we find oh, them? Oh, fuck. That's a problem. I don't know. I'm sure, like, we could go to... My fiance's um... entire friend group. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we'll do a case it. study. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, all right, Jasper, what about you? Who are your celebrity crushes or crush? Um, longtime celebrity crush is Carrie Mulligan. Um, nerds might know her from Doctor Who, um, the Don't Blink episode. She was the main character of that one. Super fun because it's not from the Doctor's POV. It's from Carrie Mulligan's, my adorable little angel. I love her. Um, she was also uh, Daisy. Was her name Daisy in The Great Gatsby? Why? Why is that weird? Why can I not remember that right now? I don't know. She's in a lot of shit. This past year, she was in um, the Rape Revenge was, movie. Yeah. What was that called? Promising oh, Young Woman. That's yes, right. Promising Young Woman. Yes, I still haven't seen it, but I do have HBO Max now. It's so, a great watch. It's so good. I will never watch it again. It was emotionally taxing. Good. I love to be upset. I just, I love to be upset. Then you Perfect. will love it and you'll love Bo Burnham so much too for his role in it. Bo Burnham is in it? Yeah. He plays the love interest. Shut up. Uh-huh. Good, good for him. I finally watched Inside. Let me tell you, I wept openly. Like, that was a lot. Um, anyway, anyway, getting back to celebrity crushes, Carrie Mulligan, long time one. But in, like, the past five years or so, I've become re-obsessed with Zoe Kravitz. And I feel like that's one that, like, any person on the planet can, um, can relate to. I think they might have canceled the new version of um, High Fidelity that she was starring in which I think is a shame because give me more grunge Zoe Kravitz did you see why would you tease me with that did you see the new um Batman um trailer that was released just a couple days ago I promptly died I'm actually speaking to you from the afterlife (laughs) oh Zoe Kravitz with a little pixie cut is just perfection (laughs) I don't think she is capable of looking bad yeah exactly Today's episode is season two, episode 18, Hollywood Babylon, the one where the boys accidentally make a snuff film. This episode was written by Ben Adland and directed by Phil Screechia and originally aired on April 19th, 2007. Nice. Um, Very excited for this episode. I know I had said previously that I want like a lighthearted beach episode, but instead I got this, which I'm totally okay with. 
And I think like at the beginning, Dean is like, oh, I wanted to go to LA so we could have a vacation, but now we're working. And I'm like, but this is a vacation for us. We deserved this cool down episode. God right? damn it. Well, and it was also really cool because correct me if I'm wrong, but was it Croatoan or one of the episodes around it where Dean said he wanted to go to Los Angeles? I think he said he wanted to go to Hollywood and Croatoan. No, he said he wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. He did, but at the end, he also made a comment about wanting to go to Hollywood. I'm like 99% sure that was very recently. Okay. So I just thought it was cute. I'll look it up. I'll fact check it. No, it totally is. It totally is cute. Like, he's so funny. Um, Yeah, I just love it. And I, I love this particular episode as an episode that's spoofing itself we've mm-hmm. already had a couple like that there was hell house in season one um which we all know i hated ally loves it um there was tall tales which we just did which kind of made fun of the format of the episodes and then we get this one which is making fun of um behind the scenes and like production stuff and I think this is the strongest out of the three of them I find this one like endlessly hilarious like every single piece of dialogue is a fucking one-liner I would totally agree with that and I actually think it starts in the cold open because like without letting you in on that this is actors like spoofing a horror movie like you just the energy they create in this opening scene before that cut something it feels campy like they did a really good job of building that up so you like almost immediately knew that all of the characters were overacting and I thought they did a really good job with that it feels campy but realistic enough that I would be like yeah this is a supernatural cold open and I thought it's funny you brought up those other episodes Jasper because this whole episode is like a try to spot um the things from old episodes like the water towers from crossroad blues the cabins from roadkill the deer head is in like nightmare salvation and born under a bad sign yeah 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 and then the trailer they make um that is even more of the episodes so like go through it again listeners see if you can spot stuff from the other campy episodes I love the trailer. The trailer in the middle of the episode just fucking sends me. So, like, the first two, like, movies, like, from the creators of, and it's, like, um, Scarecrow and Route 666. Yeah. But then they're, like, oh, yeah, and also Charlie's Angels. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So, I actually had to look that up because I was so curious about it. The guy who directed this episode directed the Charlie's Angels movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what the hell? Like, I I know that. It just feels so incongruous. It does. (laughs) My favorite was um, when they walked into the office and they had a clown poster and it was the clown from, like, uh, the season two of this show. And I was like, that is, like, the weirdest Easter egg I've ever seen in something. Right, yeah. Yeah, this really implies weird things about the reality in Supernatural World. Yeah, I think um, this ties in well to uh, a much later episode, The French Mistake, um, which we won't discuss right now, but just because of the fact that it's referring to these previous episodes. um, 
the French mistake used as the deer head too, I'm pretty sure. Or they oh use it from this episode. <laughs> There's some weird random tie to it. Is is this when um the actress is her name? Tara Benchley. Yeah, this is when Tara sees the like ghost or the spirit of some sort up in the No, that was the cold open. Oh, so okay. So yeah, we just didn't get through that and she had the real scream. Okay, I do want to talk about the scream because just how fucking funny it was to hear her do that fake scream. And I love how they were shooting from the bushes. Like it's a total fake out that you think this is going to be a creature episode. And then she does that horrendous scene and the camera turns and there are cameramen right in front of her. It was just so campy and so fun. Yeah, I did like how like this episode did rely on that trope of like the good movie horror scream in the beginning I thought that was really well done um and she killed that scream there's something actually about her voice it's very like low and raspy and I really liked it like she had a good scream yeah I love that her voice sounds like the proto diner waitress voice like in like 40 years she's gonna be working third shift at TJ's country place calling everyone doll yeah absolutely (laughs) the very first like big meta thing that I love is when they're on the little it's not a bus it's like a cart that they're on for the tour of um of like all the the backlots and stuff and they're like going past stars hollow the setting for Gilmore Girls and they have Jared look really disturbed and like that's when he runs away (laughs) but yeah on top of all of the Gilmore Girls jokes about Jared there's also all of this kidding around about um the weather (laughs) on a more serious note I do think it's funny um or not funny but I am interested in the fact that like Dean is like loosened up a lot since season one when we had this kind of episode in season one he was still very like we gotta like go 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 like hopping from town to town gotta keep working whatever but at this point in his life he's like no like we deserve a fucking vacation yeah (laughs) and it's it's now um Sam who's like I would like to work please well, so I actually really liked that juxtaposition there because what I kind of read this as too is last episode was really hard and it was especially hard on Sam. And when Dean has yeah. had to do similar things, he throws himself into work and then Sam kind of faults him for that. But what's kind of funny is now that Sam is mourning, he throws himself into work immediately. So he's so focused on the mission itself. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't have to think about it. And I do like that they acknowledge Madison in the beginning of this episode. They're like, we didn't forget about that. That was really emotionally traumatizing. Um, And Sam is not doing very well. I like how they have similar coping skills, too, because I feel like that's something that sometimes you get with siblings, too, and kind of develop. And I love how they, yeah, they followed the same like process of coping with the grief I guess when you know a lot of siblings probably share similar parental trauma um which we know they both had a horrible father so it makes sense 
What? Not John Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) This is, um, well, I guess it started just a tiny bit before this because Dean was like, this is where they filmed Creepshow or whatever to that random kid who was like very not amused by him. (laughs) Um, But this is when they start to really lean into Dean's TV and movie knowledge, which I really enjoy. And all of the movies that he talks about are real movies. Um, He gets so excited when Sam is like, oh, I read something that Tara Benchley said. And he's like, oh, you mean from uh, Ghost Ship and Fear.com or whatever? (laughs) I like that those were real movies because I remember them from high school, even though she was not in them. I thought it was fun. Yeah. That's she does amazing. resemble both the lead actresses. Like, I yeah. looked up. That's so funny. I am really, I actually was trying to keep track of how many, like, pop culture references Dean was making in this episode, and it was just, like, impossible. It was, like, everything. I wrote them all down, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> we can just, if you want, we can just go through them so we're not, like, clogging up later. Oh, the only, um, so, I mean, Creepshow was really cool because I like that it was, a. Uh, kind of a throwback to like a real cult classic it kind of shows that like um how much of like a movie nerd Dean is I thought that was really oh, cool totally um, yeah but he fa- also so he mentions creep show fear.com ghost ship poltergeist boogeyman metal storm critters um uh three men and a baby which I thought that was funny <laughs> like well, one of these things is not like the others well the three men and a baby I, he quotes Die Hard as well. Yeah, I do remember him quoting Die Hard, but the Three Minute Baby was my favorite because I don't know if, um, obviously I'm obsessed with ghosts and I've always been, but that was like a huge thing in high school was like, everyone's like, you remember like when they found that ghost in Three Minute Baby? That was something we always brought up, like when talking about like yeah. famous ghost stuff. Um, yeah, my, yeah. my favorite, I think, um, reference, because it was a really obscure one, um, was when Dean referenced Lonely Girl. Do any of you remember Lonely Girl? Okay, oh. it wasn't Dean who referenced it. It was the um, it was the actor, the character actor, who referenced it. Oh, and I do, that's Lonely right. Girl 15. And so the reason it wasn't Dean is because Dean watches TV. And she was like a, it was like a, a, um, a fake YouTube vlog where she was being uh, targeted by a cult. Yeah, it was just like, oh my God. Does it really, that reference really brought me back to being younger? Yeah, that's a deep cut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really like the Poltergeist reference, and he was absolutely right. Like, um, if you don't, do you guys know the lore of the Poltergeist movie? A little bit. Yeah. So the director, it was true, and it's unverified, but the actress has come out and said, like, those were real bones. That was horrific doing the swimming pool scene. Um, and yeah. that's the first horror movie I ever saw was in fourth grade. My mom showed me that when my father was out of town. And then I didn't sleep for like a month. Oof. Oh no, um, Allie. <laughs> so I was interested and I did a little research into it. So sadly, the young girl in it, the daughter, um, she was six in the movie. And one year after the film, she did die because of a misdiagnosis. And then she um, had blocked bowels and died during the surgery. 
Um, the older daughter also died the year it came out. She was murdered by her ex. So again, another really tragic. Um, the preacher, the evil preacher in it, died the next year from stomach cancer. And then some people bring up that the uh, quote-unquote Native American shaman in it, um, yeah, a little problematic at least, he had died in heart-lung transplant. Um, his name was Will Sampson, and he actually, after the movie after filming had ended he did an exorcism of the set because of how like evil he thought the set had become that i didn't know that's cool and and 17 years later sometimes people include that one too um one of the actors was murdered in his home but there's a really good quote from zelda rubenstein who plays the psychic in the movie um, and she basically gave the reasons for the deaths and the logic behind it and then said, I think that's pretty much a courtesy to put an end to this superstitious crap. Because it does kind of like the people she loved and spent this time on the movie with, it is like bringing up the horrific events of some of their deaths again and again. Yeah. That's fair. I'm sorry that for like a second there, I was like really not paying attention. My roommate sent me a text message because he overheard what we were talking about. And he goes, three men and a baby. You mean supernatural? And I was like, amazing. I was like losing it. So like, I apologize that I wasn't totally listening. (laughs) No, that's hilarious. Go Joe. Also true. It's also true. So after there's the conversation um, between Sam and Dean about Tara Benchley is when they they cut to the um, exec talking to people on set and he's giving them critique. <laughs> and I love this like thread throughout the episode where it's like the things about the show that people make fun of. Um, and the three of us are not grayscale enjoyers, so <laughs> this, like, particularly cracked me up, where he's like, can it, can it just be, like, more brighter, like, more color, and they're like, it's horror. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, well, does it have to be dark? Yeah, um, that killed me, and it made me feel like they made it look like the producers asking for, like, pastels. Right, right, and I do just want to say, like, I'm not, I don't think any of us are trying to suggest that it should be, like, the way season eight is, like, consistently, like, orange natural, we're not here for it, but it's just, like, I want to be able to see what's going on. Right now, I'm watching Hannibal again, um, because it's spooky season, babes, Um, and that show is really dark, but it also invests deeply in, like, jewel tones and like really vivid reds and greens and things like that so um yeah. <laughs> like you can see what people look like I don't know I think there's a way to do it they're just yeah. a little bit my problem isn't the grayscale itself it's the way that they cheapen the grayscale with its constant use without like any type of rhyme or reason it's just always there that yeah I agree I agree like this episode probably didn't need to be quite as dark it was anyway my point is yes 
make fun of us, but we're still right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really love the introduction of P.A. Dean. I want a show oh of P.A. Dean. He's so cute. <laughs> I, am, like, him, I can't hardly stand it. He's just, I'm like sitting, I made my sister watch this episode the other day and I was just sitting next to her like tearing up. Um, although that might have been, again, because I had just watched Inside uh, the Bo Burnham special and I was a little emotional from that, I won't lie. And I was trying to come down off of that mood with some of the more goofy supernatural episodes. Anyway, anytime Dean was doing anything, I just started crying. <laughs> I just like that he was always eating. It made me crack up every time. Yeah. And- yeah, and then Sam's reaction to every time he does that, Sam is just always so annoyed by it. And I'm like, if that's not like a sibling relationship, then I don't know right. what is. Right, because it's just like such a completely innocuous, stupid thing to be mad about. But yeah. of course, Sam is just like, we're working. It's yeah. like the same, um, it's the same kind of vibe we get as in Tall Tales, honestly. Yeah. Also, like Dean's been living off like, on the road food and gas station food like let him enjoy the fucking catering for a minute right 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 totally i think it makes sense with sam's character that he's really irritated with dean in this episode um even besides the fact that he's like we're working because of the fact that they literally just had like something really fucking horrible happen like only probably a few days ago um and that makes me a little bit sad whenever Sam is being really snippy. I'm just like, his heart is hurting. Yeah. I know, poor Sam. Like, oh my God, did we need this episode after that last one? That was rough. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I will say the Dean is very lucky that he is both white and good looking because I don't know who else could like just go up to this, this the movie star of a set just strike up a conversation and like they would just like totally dump like all this information on him yeah I think um I think part of it is that she how I read it anyway is she's just really um charmed by his attitude like it helps that his lie is really good that it's his first day because it is um, because he's not a PA. <laughs> uh, and then second, he's like really starstruck by, by Tara. So I, I think like there's an element of just like, oh, this person is just like a harmless fucking idiot. <laughs> well, it helped too that she had mentioned she felt like she wasn't being listened to. So that does add to it as well. But I was just oh, like... people yeah. not li- wanting to listen to women when they're upset? <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> But yeah, it was just kind of funny to me that these two guys can just like walk onto this movie set and like no one bats an eye. They're just like, oh yeah, they belong here. (laughs) Right, of course. Well, I think part of that even was just the assumption that they're working there when they walk in. And I do wonder, yeah, like how race would have affected that. Um, Probably poorly. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The answer is always not well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We find out this little fact about her here which is the fucking cutest thing. I'm obsessed with this actress um, in the show. She takes Polaroids of all the cast and crew, like before Polar- Polaroid was back and a cool thing again. Like that's the cutest hobby. 
think it's really cute. Like, um, I think it's really humanizing for people who are actors to be like, yeah, they like care about knowing the people that they work with. Like, um, cause I think there's kind of an idea that, <clears throat> well, not that, you know, big name actors don't care about their coworkers or whatever, but yeah. that they're like un- inaccessible or like, you know, but it's just a person. Exactly. Um, it definitely feels like uh, not in the meta sense of both being uh, an actor on set. It was kind of nice that they got an episode to talk about their experiences through the writing, both from the cast and the crew. So I did enjoy that. Yeah, exactly. And I do love that, like, no, um, no aspect of the work was exempt from being mocked. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the PAs are slaves, the actresses suck, <laughs> the dialogue is shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought that was fun. Uh, and I felt like um, they could have gone with the easy route of being like, this is a prima donna who's like bigger than her role. And I'm really glad they didn't. And it kind of added a lot of depth to the episode. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It would have been so easy to fall back on that trope, but they were like, no. So this is actually, I think, one of my favorite scenes of the show is when Dean is getting showed the Polaroids and he recognizes like this very obscure actor. I love it. Oh my God. Like that is the audience of Supernatural though. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Because we talked about how they're literally us. (laughs) Yeah, because they're making fun of the cast and crew, but they're also making fun of the audience too throughout the episode, which I did really like. Yeah, well, and it's just like you know, it 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 fits so well with his character, knowing that he loves stupid little trivia things and like um, watches all these campy movies and whatever, and it just really makes me feel a like the writers of the show really appreciate the kind of audience they have a but that they are also that kind of audience when they watch things themselves anyway Ben Edlund many kisses from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah this show tends to take a very critical view of um the audience whenever they portray the audience in the tv show but this one's so much more wholesome and like I think gives a lot more grace and kind of admiration for what the fan base is I agree yeah I'm actually as like a sidebar I'm really excited to talk about some of the audience proxy characters as we get further into the series like Becky Rosen my beloved and Charlie Bradbury my beloved (laughs) I am so excited yeah there are so many and there are so many different little ones too that are like one-off episodes like the musical so (laughs) Right, right. And the um, the convention episode. Goodness gracious. Sorry, Jordan. Getting ahead of ourselves by many years. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, I do like um, that after they kind of talk with the actor himself. Um, I think yeah, that's... Yeah, Gerard. Yeah, they talk to Gerard. I also he's love how... Guy. He's so fun. And he's like so into talking to this random fan that like oh, knocked yeah. on his door. It was good. Yeah. I love the whole conversation they have. Like we mentioned earlier, like the lonely girl thing. Um, 
like that's hilarious that he would compare himself to that Um, yeah but I think like something else I really enjoyed about that was how like you can tell even though he's like just this character actor who plays minor roles he does take acting seriously like he invites them to see his um performance of uh, death of a salesman as the main fucking character <laughs> I'm like go you dude like it's hard to make art I don't know yeah absolutely. also very interesting to me that death of a salesman is the reference they choose like I know it's like one of the most highly critically acclaimed um stage plays of the 20th century obviously but like it's all about um capitalism fucking with people's dreams and that's kind of that's not irrelevant to uh Walter's story here so yeah so the play um he and he's inviting them to the play and I love that he (laughs) he gives them the coupon for the pepper steak and Dean is like actually looking forward to it for the food yeah (laughs) but also I'm like you go watch that anti-capitalist stage play you go you enjoy yourself you know, I feel like he would like that. He's a blue collar guy. And he's just immediately like, oh, I'd love to support you in this. That's so pure hearted. I know. It's so sweet. I'm just like, you're just a tiny, you're a tiny little baby. Let me hold you. And the last thing they talk about is, um, I just, I love the, like, out of no, apropos of nothing, um, He's like, what was it like working with Richard Mole? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And for our listeners who don't know who that is, he's like, he's this actor in his 70s now, I think. He's like almost seven feet tall. Like, he's literally 6'8". And um, he has a super duper deep voice. So he plays villains a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, Gerard tells him he's a gentleman's gentleman. And Dean looks so pleased with that answer I don't know sounds kind of fruity (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the two the two um actors you are the most interested in this episode are like uh a feminine horror star final girl Tara Benchley and like this six eight super deep voice evil guy who could probably pick you up and carry you bridal style without like flinching (laughs) (laughs) you stupid bisexual mess (laughs) (laughs) I love um when we cut again here back to the set it's like every time we go back to the set it's like some they're making fun of some bullshit element of production or the writing or something um, just to reacclimate us to that setting as opposed to whatever is going on in the plot with the boys and <laughs> the conversation about the rules don't track just funny. <laughs> so funny like yeah. the thing about salt like why would they be afraid to salt uh, you know what about shotguns and I'm like of course (laughs) I'm like the original writer stalking off being like these fucking idiots (laughs) it kills me when they're like 
this doesn't track let's throw in one line and then we look back at episodes where it's like you say god's name in front of them and you know they're a demon and then it never gets brought up again i feel like that's something supernatural right, not right. Wrong. explainer yeah i um i my favorite thing about that is that it he's like i'll throw in an explainer or whatever for the super hearing and then you get to see the, the revised dialogue <laughs> with super hearing <laughs> and they're like didn't we send them to hell how can they hear us down there maybe they have super hearing and that's when the body <laughs> crashes through but i'm just like that is the most fucking preposterous explanation of why that works that i've ever heard in my life like i've heard a lot of really bad like um, you know, lore explanations. Obviously, I watch a ton of sci-fi and horror stuff, but like that's probably the worst one. I yeah, I was really I even well just watched *Malignant*. So yeah, just the idea that they have to explain why demons, as supernatural creature, follow human rules. Like I and I think that's something supernatural does well, where it doesn't over-explain those things. Yeah, it's better when you don't like like there should be like a little bit of explanation but the more you try to explain it the stupider it sounds actually <laughs> my thing is is like the show can try and call try and call out the audience for calling out plot holes but we will still continue to do it so you can yeah. try supernatural <laughs> you can make fun of us but we're still right okay <laughs> <laughs> and you best believe, especially when it comes to cultural appropriation and racism, that I am absolutely going to point out um, misunderstood lore. What was your favorite, like, in charge person, like producer or um, exec death in this? I guess there were only a couple because they tried to get the, the writer as well, but he didn't end up dying. I got really excited when the fan came out. Yeah, I, the fan was really good. I knew it was kind of like, possibly would that actually kill someone going through it? Maybe. Um, also, the blood splatter was not like, it was a tiny and meaty splatter. Uh, I liked that, though. It looked so weird and gross. It, was like, <laughs> it did. It looks like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I, think it, I thought it was really yeah. funny and campy. It probably didn't like help that Gary Cole's death, is that the actor's name? I, he's in everything, Talladega Nights dude or whatever. Um, yeah. He like, I didn't fully understand his death. I'm like, why was he seduced into hanging himself? But I like that cool black and white ghost. Okay, let me, let me, it's because that's the guy in charge who like makes the decisions. It's like mm -hmm. they're, representative of the network um so first off I liked that one a lot because it's saying fuck my boss <laughs> yeah uh, because yeah fuck fuck the CW honestly but also um I really liked that it followed horror movie rules like first he was being an asshole he was also being an idiot and then he was being a fucking horn dog and yeah. you cannot do any of those things in a horror movie if you want to live. So, of course, he's the first one to die. I will say the costuming on that ghost was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's some of the best we've seen in a while. I was like, damn. I also so thought pretty. 
showing her right after that like kind of pothole conversation was really cool um and like following the rules because after she got her body burned and they were you never saw her again the rest of the episode mm-hmm. like they followed their own rules really well I thought that was neat yeah no I totally agree she was my favorite death slash murder um because I feel like the hanging from the rafters was such a huge thing with like Wizard of Oz and there the death I will talk about is like from someone falling from the catwalk so this is something that did happen in Hollywood and were rumors about so I love the throwback to like old school Hollywood and also they fucked yeah. over so many women yeah, yeah during yeah, yeah. this yeah I also There's- like that um the scene he interrupts is the one with the line that he wanted added added in like he he falls down through the roof of that set right as they're saying the thing about super hearing which is the line he wanted added (laughs) (laughs) Um, like fuck you It's just so good, like, in a meta sense. I don't know. Sorry, I was choking. I want to make sure I clarify. Um, old Hollywood fucking over actresses. Well, they still do it. They still absolutely do, but definitely with, like, the diets they put them on and how they really terrorize these women. Like, it feels like if someone's going to be haunting the studios it's valid that these women want revenge over the dick producers. I was like, good for her. Kill the rest of these assholes. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good for her narrative. (laughs) Yes. I, like, if there was an actress of our generation who was to haunt Hollywood when she died, I think it would be fucking Lindsay Lohan. And good for her. Yeah, I would say Lindsay Lohan. It's like the Judy uh, Garland of our generation. Possibly Rose McGowan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, after this whole set, though, I love the um, scene we get with Dean where he yells, um, cut, after the... <laughs> He's like, so cute. Like, That's a cut. <laughs> yeah. Only I can say cut. Like, it was great. And I think the, um, the director was saying that in response to Tara asking, yeah. or asking for a cut. Um, not like people like echoing him or whatever but yeah no it was funny he's just like so into it and I think like that whole exchange with him and Sam is (laughs) just fucking gold um he's like I thought you hated being a PA and he's like I don't know I kind of feel like I'm part of the team and he's wearing the hell hazer shirt <laughs> like hell hazer shirt he's got the little fanny pack with the sharpie and um the headset and everything and he keeps having to like move the mic up and down he's like sorry what <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> i also like at no point are the boys questioned being on set because ironically they're the actors who are the set is created for so i just right, thought it was a yeah. fun ode yeah 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 like the reversal is a good meta joke as well yeah um but I think part of that just has to do with the fact that like Dean fits in with people so well like he's just such a people person um and, and like that tracks through like the second half of the episode pretty well I think like 
but following this is when they go to watch the dailies and um, he's talking about how he got it and he knows all this set gossip and he's already made all these friends who like make him copies of things he's not supposed to have. (laughs) It also makes me feel like if this, if our education system were letting humans be humans, he would have done this well in school too. Like if there were a system that embraced who he is and his skill set, like this, this movie set does, he would totally be that guy who's like genuinely excited to see everyone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, man. (laughs) Um, I think the setup here too, with the spirit photography idea is really good. Um, because like, it just, it feels like the kind of thing they do in a movie and they don't always necessarily do it in like the episodes like this, but they're like mentioning one thing, like once this little thing, and then it comes back later to be the thing that really helps them out in the end. It's also fucking stupid, which I enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the next death is after this, and this is the one with the fan. But what I love about this is it's directly making fun of actual human beings who work on Supernatural. Mick G is the director here. And um, the guy that he's talking to on the phone, uh, not Mick G, but the other character. um, Well, I forget. Anyway, the person is talking on the phone to someone named Bob, which is probably supposed to be Bob Singer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just love that. It's like running interference between these two men who both have really strong ideas about what should be uh, happening on the show. And he says the same thing to both of them. You're a genius, kicking ass and taking names. And then he's talking shit on them as soon as they're gone. (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) And that's such like I feel like that's such a common work dynamic anyway, but, like, when people have really big egos and, like, there's a lot of money involved, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's all I had to say about that. It's just really fucking funny. I just love this episode. No, it was really, not only was it really well done, and, like, I get what they were trying to do, but at the same time, just the amount of personality they injected into every character I thought was so good, and that's kind of what brings TV to life. Um, yeah well and I think like even like the minor characters and that's not something that we always see in like the one-off episodes and a part of what makes that successful here is that they're basing these characters off of real people a lot of the time so um they have actual personalities they can draw on and uh instead of just relying mostly on tropes and archetypes and such um I wish they would be more consistent with this but I do think that that's something that this particular writer Ben Edlund does really well in all of his episodes so I will never shut up about Edlund by the way so I hope (laughs) that you enjoy hearing about how much I like his writing So it feels like when you're at camp or in like some group training activity where you get to make fun of the leaders, like this entire episode is a skit making fun of Supernatural and it's so lighthearted and um, like we really need it in this season. And this is one of the first times Supernatural really plays around with joking about Supernatural. And I, I just love everything about it. It was very well done. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the fan scene already. Um, but after that is when I think Dean finds um, Sam going through the movie reels, trying to look for clues to solve the murder. Um, and that's when we get that like crazy cut of the trailer for this movie that we were all laughing yeah. about earlier. <laughs> uh, cornfield Massacre and Monster Truck and then Charlie's Angel. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was so funny. Uh. I love that they used the supernatural font for it. Yeah, and uh, I liked the whole, like, I think the problem is the spirits think this movie sucks. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that that's a whole ass theory. <laughs> also, I don't know if it's right in this trailer, but it might be just after. We get the quote that I love. We must have brought, <laughs> brought them back, back from hell again i think this is when they they are going through when they see that the latin um is like actual real latin and they go to um and interview is it what was his name walter yeah Yeah. about it Um, yeah because they thought he was a pa but he was actually the original writer Mm -hmm. i felt like oh oh my gosh i don't know how much you guys know about the Rick Riordan and Percy Jackson movies and how terrible they were. And he released like letters he sent them and it and, like warning them how terrible it would be. But it so reminds me of him. And I'm sure so many other writers who have done great stories and just have to watch their stuff torn apart. Yeah, I felt bad, but like I could kind of um, see from Martin's perspective a little bit. And I think that's what makes a good villain because like, yeah, I'm sure not having, like, I did feel for him, like, having his art totally butchered, and also, like, who hasn't wanted to, like, stick it to their boss? Yeah, it's just, I loved that it was, like, there was always a, a worse boss, like, everybody's boss sucked because they're being a boss, but then even the person at the bottom sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and true. in the end, it was like the writer. That's like I love. For most of this episode, it's like talking about like everyone is shit, but they leave the writer alone for the most part. And then the whole last act is like, no, listen, the writer is the worst one. <laughs> listen, <laughs> ain't that just the way? As a writer, I can confirm I am the worst. So it was also probably really fun for that writer's room to like make themselves the big villain of the episode too. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about the spirit photography thing coming back? Because that cracked me up so hard. I know, I, I know that it was extra like that on purpose. It had to have been. You mean the Verizon ad that took up the last quarter of the show? Yes. The Verizon Motorola ad that took up half the screen anytime it was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's such a cool idea, but if they had just, because all the time when they show us, like, through other people's vision, they show us just the vision. They could have so easily done that, but they got that bag. No, okay, but, like, I think that's part of what makes it really good is that it was so bad. And that's, like, the point of it. Especially because then the the writer uses it in the new, like, edited version of the script. 
It was, like, I was laughing so hard when that, uh, the blonde actress was like spinning around with a cell phone and the one guy, they wrote in the shotguns. Cause I guess, yeah. Yeah. yeah they wrote in the so shotguns hard. too. <laughs> I, I thought that was, that was like Sam's, Sam's comment to the writer. He was like, you find out there's an afterlife <laughs> and this is what you do. Like, obviously, I don't know. Again, as a writer, same. I don't know. <laughs> Everything that happens to me gets injected into what I write. So yeah, like, well, whatever. I read it as that, but also with uh, Walter too, like he finds out about a an afterlife. What's the first thing this man's going to do? Find a way to like make money off of that knowledge. So yeah, yeah. He yeah. does it too. He's just more pretentious about it. Yeah. And then decides to use it to kill people, which <laughs> like, I don't know, go off, kill your boss. Like, I don't care. But yeah. also, oh, I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but um, I'm reminded because it gets repeated right here. There's the uh, line that pops up a couple of times. You're one hell of a PA. And the first time it comes up with the Sam moment, it's when he's like saving someone and he like jumps in with the salt round and like dispels the ghost and the guy's like what hell of a PA and they're <laughs> like yeah I know um and then it comes up again after Dean has been fucking the actress and she's like you're one hell, hell of a PA, PA. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking funny <laughs> I really love that See, this is the shit that I wanted from um from Hell House this is what I wanted this yeah. is what we deserved. This is what we deserved, Ali. You're correct. Yeah. I One thing I really liked, um, and one thing I think Hell House probably would have benefited from, is because the hunt itself in Hell House was so bad. And this, they decided to make the hunt really take a back seat and be more used as a vehicle for the episode to make these jokes, to, like, to re-show these rules I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> since we're at the end of the episode and there's been this, like, well, he slept with the lead actress, Dean did. Since that happened, I wanted to know what you thought of that, Jordan, since you've been on the gay Dean truthing train. Well, so um, I was t- kind of shocked because this is the first time he's been totally okay with it. I was never, like, truly, like, a gay I'm not, I wasn't like a gay Dean truther. I was only kind of taking what I'm the show. Te- no, no, you're you. good. But this, it's leading into my uh, explanation. So I always was just taking what the show had given us. And it from Dean has given us a complete disinterest in w- women. And now with this, it can be read as two ways. It's like, did he finally find someone that he actually wants to be with or is it like this kind of idolship worship kind of kicking in and it could be read either way. So I thought that it was very interesting. I thought you would like that. I did. He's just so sweet when he's talking to her that first time he's all like nervous. I don't know. It's adorable. It is very Um, cute. I am obsessed with the phrase gay Dean truthing train. Yeah. The gay Dean truthing train. It's yeah. got, it's got, da, 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 da. it's got that rhythm going on. That's why I'm the poet, Allie. You're right. You're right. 
Um, before we get to the end of the episode, I just wanted to talk about a little lore because it is like a really fun. Oh, I apologize. I thought your lore earlier was because you said the word lore when you were talking about the poltergeist uh, set rumors. Please regale us with new information. Oh, no worries. Sorry. I have a sprinkle there and a sprinkle here. I just want to talk about like some of the other famous set hauntings because this is something um, you hear about all the time with horror movies and just others in general. Sorry, I keep accidentally turning off my camera. <laughs> so Annabelle, the new Annabelle, apparently the first time they had a scene with the demon, um, a light completely fell from the ceiling and dropped on his head and lights went off once until you said until the cast said annabelle are you there and then they went back on which it's annabelle so like take it or leave it um but the and it's the new one very true um in the exorcist a fire burned the entire house except reagan's room and two um, actors, or two characters who died in the movie, the actors also died in post-production, during post-production. Um, in the possession, Jeffrey Dean Mer- Morgan himself, <gasps> Papa Winchester, says, well, kind of Papa Winchester, <laughs> says that lights uh, kept flickering and he felt cold. He said he was like a skeptic, but then this stuff started happening um and the storage with all the props burnt down there's a weird trend of burning down in amityville horror ryan reynolds was woken up for no reason at 3 15 a.m each night uh not 3 15 i don't and know if 3 15 is a cursed number i feel like 3 a.m was it 3 a.m in um the exorcism of emily rose so in lore in general, it's 3 a.m., but that whole hour. So anytime gotcha. at 3 a.m. And all of these things are kind of loosely connected to history. So like famously in one of the studios in Hollywood in 1942, there was an elect- electrician who did die from the rafters, they're assuming, um, after a rap party. And his family says it wasn't like an accident however his blood alcohol level was 0.29 which that's a lot if you don't know if you don't drink um and so our famous studios have really famous things so like paramount's connected to the old cemetery i believe it's the one reference in the episode is directly connected to paramount um and there's like ghost on the catwalk uh miss and a man runs through the streets to the cemetery at night um and there are a few more like Culver Studios is supposed to be haunted by the owner so a lot of times it was people who had big ties and also those like old Hollywood legends when there was a ton of drugs alcohol cheating um, misogyny just racism everything running rampant um And also, I feel like for me, the reason places where people act have a lot of energy is because that's what the people are doing. They're pouring this energy out over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over and over. That's a good, that's a good point. It's not just that they're um, creating emotional energy. It's that they're doing it repeatedly. Yeah. 
we've actually talked about this before too. Um, I don't, in a previous episode, we talked about the haunting on set of a American Horror Story Coven with Queenie. I just thought it was interesting that now we're. Wait, we did? Yeah. The, um. I don't remember talking about that at all. Yeah, it was in one of Ali's lore segments, I think specifically related to like, um, uh, what was it? If a goof or dust and, um. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm stupid. No, no. Ignore me. No, that's a good point, Jordan, because I'm sure when they go to these historic places to shoot, Supernatural, not so often. Other shows, absolutely. Um, I'm sure it only increases because you're in there pouring out energy in this place that has so much residual energy on its own. So in my notes, the absolute last thing I have is Dean has sex, which is a very funny note to me for some reason. <laughs> I love your notes, Jordan. They're like, Dean has sex. Guy dead. Guy dead. <laughs> um, the last thing I have in my notes is actually about um, like the final shot mm-hmm. and how they walk into they walk into the sunset, but it's a backdrop of a sunset. Yeah. And then there's clearly another backdrop in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just that was so like. I don't know, so fucking goofy. It's like a perfect ending to this episode. They didn't back away from the camp at the end, which I love. They didn't need to make yeah. it serious. Like it was a yeah. perfect arc of just pure camp. And even at the end, we get that last shot still of two brothers, which we almost always get, but this yeah. time still in that camp world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do y'all want to hear about the fanfic? I would love to. Yes, please. Perfect. Okay. So this one is actually a wreck, um, a personal wreck from me, the fanfic expert. But it does, it does relate to the episode. This fic is called The Firmament Field. It was published in like the end of the year 2018 for um, that year's Dean Cass Big Bang. Um, the summary is, oh wait, I didn't say the author. Sorry, I have I have wrecked um, this author before. Uh, their name is Witch Steel, and it's spelled like witch, like the preposition witch, and then Steel, like as in of God. Um, <clears throat> the summary is: Heaven is falling, the power grid failing. Dean and Cass set off on a daring mission to stabilize heaven, but the operation goes south. Captured by angels, their memories are wiped, and they're sent back to Earth. Although their allies include denizens of heaven, mortals on earth, and even dragons, Dean and Cass are presumed lost. Before heaven can be saved, they must find their way back to each other. And um, I don't feel like it's a huge spoiler because it's in the tags, but when Dean doesn't have his memory, he's a PA. Like, it's just the, it's, he's just a cutie pie. I, I'm just obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. I love that song. Um, I know. This one is rated M. Um, it's mostly a, a Destiel fic, but there's also the Sam Eileen pairing, which is one that I particularly like. Um, and there's also Charlie Bradbury with an original female character. Other characters include uh, one that I'm not going to say, Bobby Singer, Charlie Bradbury, and, oh, I already said that, <laughs> and uh, Naomi. Additional tags are heaven, temporary character death, resurrection, amnesia, dragons, canon typical violence, dimensional travel, canon divergent, predict 
production assistant dean, farmer cast, angels, established cast dean, established relationship, angel true forms, and writing on dragons. And, you know, I was a little skeptical of the whole dragons thing because I tend to dislike, I want to keep my high fantasy separate from my low fantasy personally. Um, but I thought they worked. I actually thought they worked. So, nice. yeah. That sounds I, awesome. Yeah, I love it the idea awesome. of it. The, um, I think so far my favorite incarnation of Dean is P.A. Dean. So as much P.A. Dean... Put it all into I, the ether. I want so it all. Cute. Like, yeah. just let him be a little guy with his little job and giving people little drinks. <laughs> While eating I'm sandwiches. With him. I love yeah. it. So, should we rate the episode? Yes, let's rate this episode. All what right, I'm excited. I really liked it. I think out of all of the um, cooldown episodes, this one so far is my favorite. Um, and I've been asking for this, so I was very excited to get it, especially I think it was added at such a crucial moment. I think if we immediately went into something intense, it would have been a lot to digest in terms of this season. So I'm going to give it a, I think this is going to be my first five out of five, five out of five um, Motorola ghost camera ads. Yeah, I think that feels right. That feels good. What about you, Allie? I thought this episode was fantastic. I love it so much, even more the more times I watch it. Um, So I'm going to give it five out of five drags into a mega fan. What about you, Jasper? I'm also going to give this one a five out of five. And that's going to be a five out of five mini Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Dean is so cute in this. I just want to put him in my pocket. And I totally agree. Like, this does get funnier with rewatches because you pick up more and more of the jokes every single time. Like, I know we didn't talk about every single fucking joke. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it just, I don't know. There's just something so charming about being able to make fun of yourself this in depth. I agree. Plus, it managed to not be super racist or sexist, which, like, good job for once. <laughs> Rocks to them for one episode. <laughs> so are you ready for my predictions? Because I actually think I have decent ones this time. I am so Yeah, excited. I mean, you better because there's only uh, Four? three episodes left in Only the three, season. you're right. Yeah. Well, so this is what I'm thinking. There are two major kind of like arcs that we had built up in the beginning of season two um and the fact that we didn't start them this episode means it has to start next episode they're running out of time the first is the jail uh the or the prison the officer i don't even remember his name anymore but i liked him um we haven't seen him in so long henrickson detective henrickson so we have detective henrickson and then we have um the special children plotline and the yellow-eyed demon I think we're going to start. So I think next episode is going to focus on Detective Henderson. I think we're going to see him back. I also think um, we're going to see Gordon again because it just didn't feel like that was settled. So I feel like Gordon is going to break out of prison and Detective Henderson is going to use Gordon instead of just immediately capturing use Gordon to find the boys. And the boys are going to have to try and maneuver their way out of that I think Detective Hendrickson is then going to somehow get sucked in to this plot line 
with the yellow eyed demon. And that's going to lead us to our season finale. Um, and it's just going to be like one mesh of everything converging. I don't think Detective Hendrickson is going to live because no one lives in this show. So we'll see. Yeah, and he's black on top of that. Which... Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but oh, did I think it immediately? <laughs> well, I mean, say it. They, Absolutely. they just do that in this show. They're like, oh, you're not white. Goodbye. <laughs> yep. You get to live if you're um, a black woman who is absolutely subservient to everyone else. Right. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing shots and I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, as you should. I, listen, the reason I am able to put so much energy into pointing out the major flaws of this show, and I think Jordan feels similarly when it comes to critique is the fact that I love this show. Like, I would not have the energy to, like, talk about all of these things if I just didn't like it. I would be like, not only does it suck, but it's racist. So I just wouldn't even give it the time of day, you know? So, like, the fact that, like, any of us are willing to be like, no, this was not acceptable, you know? No, it's good. Um yeah gosh especially like I keep waiting for that point for the show to like learn from its mistakes and get better and we haven't got there yet mm-hmm. though this was a good episode we didn't have any issues with it um so we'll see we'll see I hope the show continues to grow and get better because I've not seen it so Ugh. I think it's been, a, it's been a little better in season two I think there's been some growth a little. Yes, a little. Like, like I'm not trying to oversell it here, but <laughs> like the addition of Henriksen, I think, distinctly improves the um, ideas about blackness that the show is trying to sell us. Yes. Um. Okay. So your prediction for next episode is Henriksen, Gordon, team up. I don't think they're going to team up. I think Gordon's going to be used. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like mostly Henriksen as the main antagonist with some Gordon thrown in yes. to like trip them up. Okay. Yeah. I like that prediction. I like it. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Little Rock, Arkansas. Bye. Bye. Bye.